here with Stacey Mitchell, our co-host. Just a reminder, if you got a question you want to get in touch with us while we're on the show here, our email address is info at tooltimeradio.com. We are live on WWDB 860 AM. And Stacey and I got some juicy stuff to talk about this week, at least as juicy as real estate can be, right? So uh, what we want to get into first, and again, if you got any questions about anything we're, we're talking about here, just email us, info at tooltimeradio.com. Th- there's been talk, I would say nonstop, since May 19th of last year, that it is tough to find a house right now. Is that fair, accurate? I mean, what are you, what are you hearing on the front line, Stace? It's definitely fair, that's for sure. It's, it's tough to find a home. Uh, the inventory is lopsided in the sense that there's many more buyers than there are homes on the market. So there's more buyers and homes available. Supply Correct. and demand. We've heard this before. So rather than focus on, on the problem, we are solution-oriented people here. And again, a reminder, we work with the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline, the number one real estate team. And Stacey's giving the number one <laughs> finger um, with REMAX since 2018. And what we want to talk about here today is there was, there was an interesting article that came out on Inman News uh, right over the holiday weekend about six different ways to find a diamond in the rough. And it, it is tedious searching for a home. I don't care if it's a good market. It's still hard finding a home. I mean, this is a big investment. It's a big decision. And sometimes you feel like you're never going to find what you want, especially when you're looking for that 20-year property. I mean, I, I find that's the most difficult one. The first-time buyers are like, ah, we'll be here 10 years. We'll make it work. It, it, it's that move up or premium purchase that you're trying to make. So what Inman did, they broke down exactly six ways that they felt would be great ways to find a diamond in the rough. And it involves some strategy here, which I like. So we're going to go through each one and I want to hear the merits of both pitfalls. And we'll, we'll kind of go back and forth about this here. So the, the first source that Inman news came up with off market properties, specifically for sale by owners, abandoned properties, pre-foreclosure, pre-divorce. That's kind of a, a big gamut there, right? Um, so when you, when you see off-market properties, I think some of these are more likely than others. What, you're, you're working with a buyer or you're trying to find a home for yourself or you're a seller trying to get into a new home. What do you think about this as a potential source of finding a new property? Well, I know as far as FISBOs for sale by owners, um, that's definitely a resource that we've been utilizing and have had success. There's been a few agents in on our team that have been able to get under contract. Brian Blauk sold one mm-hmm. yesterday on Memorial Day. So, I mean, that, that that's a very viable one. Correct. There's not a lot of them. Not a lot of them, no. But again, it's diamond in the rough, so there's not going to be a lot of stuff here in the first place. Correct. But, um, yep, but they're out there. Um, it seems to be that sellers are risking and saying, nope, we're going to sell ourselves. And these are opportunities for our buyers. Um, if they do see a for sale by owner sign, stop and get a phone number, or you can do searches on different websites for sale by owner. And uh, if there's something out there for them that they want to take a look at, we can definitely arrange that. Yeah, the for sale by owner is the most viable of what they're talking about here. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of gets into these other... Into the weeds. Yeah, these other <laughs> sources. So abandoned properties. And when, when you go deeper in the article, homes that look like they're getting work done to get ready for the market. You see the dumpster outside. It looks like someone hasn't been there for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, 
you know, people in the neighborhood kind of know when there's that vacant property that hasn't been occupied for four or five, six years, or even just 12 months. So when I see that, you know, my view of that is that it's a little different, uh, than a for sale by owner because they may not have any intent to sell. They may not have real intent to do something. What do you think about pre-foreclosure and pre-divorce? Well, pre-foreclosure, I've had some people ask me about pre-foreclosure. That doesn't necessarily mean it's going to go to foreclosure. It just means that possibly they're behind on their mortgage. There's some um, taxes due. So that, to me, seems more like a dead end. Mm -hmm. And uh, because it may or may not come to fruition. Most likely, it won't come to fruition as a foreclosure. And foreclosures are... A little bit tricky and difficult also. So I tend to steer my clients away from from those types of properties for sure. You got to know what you're getting into. Mm-hmm. It's going to, it can be a lot of work buying that home. It might be as is you're dealing with a bank. Pre-foreclosure, all it means is they missed a mortgage payment and now they're in the a, a different bucket with their lender. It doesn't mean the home's necessarily coming onto the market. So that that's a really great observation. What do you think about pre-divorce? Pre-divorce? Oh. <laughs> how do you find that out? Even? Uh, yeah. How do you know that? Nosy neighbors or something? Family members? I'm not sure, but I would think that would be kind of a dead end also. You don't know if it's going to happen. You don't know what's going to happen. They could buy each other out. Good point. Uh, it's just a personal situation. I'd rather stay out of that. Well, and you, to, your, to your point, you don't know if it's going to happen. So, mm-hmm. I mean, th- they might buy each other out. You think there's kids involved. Other things are happening. They don't want to uproot their entire family. And maybe they can't agree on something. There's a lot of times where I've seen that the judge has to tell them, you need to hire this particular agent. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, but again, this is meant to be looking like under every stone, trying to find those, those needle in a haystack properties for sale by owners, much more likely Mm -hmm. the abandoned properties, the ones getting work done. There are some signs there. You might get lucky there. I I mean, that might be a a door knocking situation, especially now that things are getting lifted and people are a little more comfortable with in-person activities. Uh, pre-divorce, pre-foreclosure, a little tougher. I agree with you wholeheartedly there. So that was the first lead source they came up with. Number two, badly marketed properties, expired listings, and rentals. What do you think about this? I think this is your expertise. Right, well. (laughs) Yeah, so badly marketed properties. Oh, yeah. Um, It happens quite often. You'll see a home that has really bad pictures and the listing information. It's been on the market for a little while, and it's probably because it's been badly marketed. Um, they're only listed on the MLS. They're not doing uh, a lot of our marketing techniques that we use, uh, and the pictures are horrible. So people rule that out right off the bat from the pictures. Um, it could be a great house, but if the pictures aren't enticing and, and luring the buyers to actually schedule an appointment, uh, it's not going to move very quickly. Expired listings. Um, I think that is definitely a great place to, uh, to investigate and try to pull, um, you know, pull the buyers into mm-hmm. seeing these expired listings. So reach out, call the owners or call, call the sellers, figure out, find out why, what happened? Why is the listing expired? Did their situation change? Was it just badly marketed and they got frustrated and took it off the market? So what's the reason behind the expired listing? I love both of these, um, and, and rentals we'll talk about in a second. Badly marketed properties, you're absolutely right. If you know what you're looking for and are willing to take your search to the next level, not just look at the sexy homes with the professional photography that are staged, that are redone, badly marketed properties can go a long way. 
I bought a badly marketed home. It was on the market for, I think, 14 months. Uh, and, and then it came off the market and was still under contract with the agent. And that kind of piqued our interest because there was a lot of reasons why it wasn't moving. You mentioned marketing, bad photos, it's priced way out of whack. I mean, uh, you know, we're talking about a, a 30 to 40% differential from where the actual value was, where it came to the market. So those sort of homes, there's an opportunity there. It depends how motivated the seller is going to be, right? How serious they are about moving. And that's where you, if it's like a vacant home and it's badly marketed, well, they're probably not moving back in. So it, it you know, there's nothing to lose by going and pursuing that property. And in general, I think all of these buyers need to be okay making offers if they see it lingering on the market because of the market conditions the way they are right now. A lot of folks, they get scared that my, my offer is not going to get accepted. Mm -hmm. And we've had a lot of success as a team individually. I know you've done this where you write the offer on the home and in, if it was on the market a day, it probably wouldn't fly. But when it's like 7, 10, 15 days on the market, 30 plus we talked about time on market last week so you can i mean and we, we have that streaming on our facebook page now so you can actually go back and look at it when you're in that high days on market that's where there's opportunity so i, I totally agree with this here expired listings is another one you know think about both of those types of properties they signed listing contracts with real estate agents to sell their home correct that is a sign of intent yes right they put a sign up they had people come through their property they're ready for showings. None of this stuff is fun. Anyone that dresses this up and says it's fun having your home on the market, mm -hmm. they haven't been through it. Or they're they're living in a, in a fantasy world because it is, unless you're not living in the property, obviously. If it's vacant, different story. So those are two great sources because those people had real intent to sell and it didn't work out for whatever reason. And in an uber competitive market where demand outweighs supply, this is the stuff you need to be looking at. Mm -hmm. What about rentals? What do, what do you think about that? Rentals, um, it could be an opportunity, uh, I guess, if the price is right. Uh, most investors, if it is a rental property, you could entice them to, you know, if you write up an offer, why not? At what number are you a seller, right? Exactly, right. right. I mean, that, that, Everybody that, has a number. Well, and especially now with a lot of the legislation coming out that makes it not, I mean, you know, 1031 exchanges may be off the books. The raising capital gains tax. There's things that may cause some of these people that are landlords to just say, you know what? It's time to cash out. Let's move on. So again, I, I, if you're going to pursue these, what I would advise anyone is whether it's with an agent, hopefully you're working with a good agent that can guide you. Make sure it's an area where you're serious about. Like it can't just be a one-off and, and maybe hope it works out. It's got to be, I want to live on this street. My family's got to live here. That, that, that's where you're going to have a lot of success with these. The more focused you can be, the better off you can be. So those are some, those are some good sources there. A little better than the pre-foreclosure, pre-divorce. The yes. third source and this is meant geared towards agents trying to produce inventory for their clients, just to give some perspective here, is past clients. Mm -hmm. What do you think about this, Stace? Sure. Um, absolutely. We've seen that, too, in, um, in, in the short uh, past here. Uh, reach out to past clients, see how they're feeling since COVID. Uh, are they comfortable in their home? Do they need a bigger home since COVID? Do they think their home's too big and they want to downsize? So it's definitely an opportunity uh, that we've been able to um, actually have success in that area. Well, and, and there's people out there that you, you bring up a question, has has COVID changed the way you view your home? And there, there's a lot of data. There was some data that just came out that said 63% of people that bought a home recently of millennials were they, they had some sort of regret about buying their home. Um, and, and that's always going to happen in that initial first time purchase, right? You don't know what you're getting into. There, we've seen a lot of past clients where they bought a home a year two years, three years ago, and all of a sudden, because of the incredible appreciation that we've seen, where it's mm -hmm. a little over 1% a month 
unheard of ever that now folks are saying, well, if I can get this number, I'm willing to make a move. You know, maybe Mm -hmm. they've retired. Maybe they want to move out of the area. We've seen a lot of that happening. Maybe they're downsizing. Maybe they can afford a bigger property now. There's a lot of folks that we ran into that, you know, they were in medical sales or their business took off during the pandemic, which has happened to a lot of people. And all of a sudden they're able to get into a home they didn't think they could get into. So Mm -hmm. if you're an agent and you're not talking to your past clients, somebody else is and you're going to lose that business. So I I do love this one. This is one of the better ones they came up with here. Mm -hmm. Number four, networking and pocket listings. Your take. I definitely think networking uh, is a good idea. Definitely. Um, If you've worked with other agents in uh, closing a deal together, uh, I, I, you know, reach out, shoot them a text. What do you have coming up? Do you know anything new? Um, That to me has been very helpful in this market. What what they talk about here, and this to me is very interesting, is uh, brokerages and teams that take the time to curate a database of pocket listings or coming soon property over years. It's not like a it's not like a like a week long process here over years, because there's always that person that says, "I'm a seller at X," or if you bring along an offer, I'll work with you. And they're, and they're never going to hire a real estate agent. It's not going to happen. If you take the time to do that while following the NAR clear cooperation policy guidelines, meaning you can't market it. You can only market it inside your brokerage, inside your team. To me, this is something that everyone should be looking at when they talk to those folks that aren't, I mean, there's just some people that aren't going to hire an agent, mm-hmm. but they're ready to sell. And and I, I don't, I don't agree with that. It's going to end up hurting them. We'll talk about that actually in our next segment um, about, you know, how, how that, how that kind of works. But the point is if you have the data and you can produce real buyers, not the old real estate trick of, hey, Stacy, I got a buyer for your home. Can I come by and look at it? And you're just mm-hmm. there trying to get a listing because that, that right. never works. When you act like that as a real estate agent, just, you know, just, just don't even show up for the appointment. It's going to it's, it's not not going to turn out well for you. So the, the, the point is that if you take the time to do that, then you're going to be able to you know, build a database that has some value. Now, you're talking about networking with other agents, which to me is equally important because people aren't nice. Like real estate agents aren't nice to each other. I mean, I mean, you see the (laughs) conviction in her face right now saying that to me. So just being nice and treating someone like a professional goes a long way in this business because some of the agents get a little crazy. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And if you build a relationship with other agents, they do think of you when new homes are coming on the market. Uh, If they have something that's getting ready to list, they'll they'll reach out. Hey, I have X, Y, Z coming up. Do you have any buyers? Mm -hmm. So I totally appreciate that. And I do the same. Um, So I think, you know, it's a small circle in the long run as far as (laughs) our community of agents. So how you're treated, how you treat um, other people is going to come back to you. Well, the good news is 87% of them will be out of the business in five years if you follow the stats. So hopefully all these yes. people that were mean to you aren't, aren't were in the business <laughs> in five years. Uh, so, and then they talk about pocket listings here. And I, I think pocket listings, you got to be careful with. Um, it's kind of the same thing. Uh, networking more is going to your network of agents and knowing who's doing business in the area. And that to me is a real value prop for uh, when you're representing a buyer and a seller. Because if you can go to a seller and say, hey, I know there's 10 agents that are working with buyers here right now. I know who they are. I communicate with them regularly. Let me see if they have a buyer for your home. You're showing your value. And that makes a big difference um, as opposed to just sticking it on the MLS and hoping somebody shows up, which is what most agents do from the uh, perspective of, of networking with folks. I mean, again, and, and you know, use, leveraging your team, your company, your organization, your brokerage, 
whatever it is following the rules that can, I mean, we've done this, you know, we'll, we'll see this happen often where, Hey, I have a buyer for this property. I know someone that might be interested. Then ultimately the seller is the one that wants to, wants to handle that. And we had uh, Brian, who we mentioned earlier from our team, he's, uh, he sold a home, I guess it was Friday night. He sold this, this property and mm -hmm. it was, they knocked on the door because they saw that she might've been moving and it was another agent and we're sitting there and, and the agent is being so difficult to work with. He said to me, well, wh what's the point of working with her? If she's going to make this problematic, right. she should be happy. She got in and doesn't have to compete with everybody else. Right. So, but that, that's an example of kind of using some of these strategies here. So, mm -hmm. you know, that, that looks like it could be hit or miss, but certainly knowing who we are, the, are the players in the market has a lot of value. So we got two more here. Okay. Um, and we'll take a break. So the next one's buyer advertisements. So let me let me read this to you to give everyone some perspective. For the agent or brokerage that's already getting great return on their social media and marketing tactics, creating and pushing out advertisements for their buyers that are searching for a new home may prove very fruitful. Um, create a home wanted ad that describes what kind of property the buyer is looking for. Then talk about the buyer's qualifications um and and run ads and we we've done some stuff like this whether it's uh you know a direct mail campaign or th things like that what what do you think about this i i, I you know I, I have an opinion on it but tell me what you think first days i think uh if you have a pretty good outreach on your social media uh facebook instagram you can definitely do you know quick video hey i have some buyers i just missed out on you mm -hmm. know five offers that we put in if anybody has a home in you know, this certain whatever area they're looking for, uh, please let me know. And I think that could help out. I really do. Well, and, and I, I agree with you with the caveat that it has to be a specific need and they have to be very clear on, I want to live in this neighborhood mm -hmm. or in this type of home or in this part of the, the neighborhood or, or whatever that is, because if it's too general, Mm -hmm. So, for example, let's say it's somebody says, I'm going to live in Westchester. Well, guess what? There, there's, oh there's six different municipalities in Westchester. Right. You got to pare it down a little bit. And every different price point. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's not, it's someone says, I want to live in Lower Marion. Well, I mean, mm -hmm. Lower Marion's a big area. It's got six different zip codes. Same thing. So the, the, the point is that it's got to be specific. And where I've had success with this in the past, I've had a couple of clients where they wanted to live in Marion Golf, which is right next to the golf course. Okay, that's a very defined neighborhood. We sent out a direct mail or we got three responses on it. Um, and then they ended up buying something else anyway. They came on the market where they didn't call us, but that wasn't the point. We were creating opportunities there. And that's proving your worth as an agent. Um, I love what you said at the beginning, shoot a video <laughs> because video engages so much better. And especially if you're going to put it on social media and there's the ability to you know, boost it and advertise it. And it's not just a, it's not just a static post. It actually has a reach outside your, your, your network. So my view, it sounds like, hopefully you're, it sounds like you're in agreement is in the right situation, this can be really effective. Totally. All right. The last one here, and then we'll go to break is uh, farming. So every agent knows about farming and we're not talking about like where I grew up out in Chester Springs where there's like a, like a dairy farm or something. This is a targeted, detailed, direct mail campaign to homeowners that explain why their property would do well on the market. And it kind of is, is, this is almost the same as, as the last one where we mentioned direct mail because I, direct mail to me is something that is still really effective. So it says the more data on the buyer, the better to make it real. And it's about being proactive. So what do you think about this? And we, mm -hmm. we kind of hit on this already. Same thing. Same thing. Correct. Um, definitely. If you have buyers that want a very specific area, this is very effective. Um, I guess you can even go to like door hangers. Mm -hmm. uh, if you go around the neighborhood door knocking, I think we can do that now uh, yes. since COVID. Yep. So I think it's uh, very targeted. 
and uh, very detailed, and it could be very, very effective. Well, and we, we've had success with this. I mean, this mm-hmm. is documented. We've gotten calls, return messages. The, the, the thing here that I, w- I would say is if you're going to commit to mail and, and, and spend some money as an agent or you're, or you're expecting your agent to spend some money as, as a buyer, make sure they're not just only mailing. Like, call into the neighborhood. Door knock, like you said. Put some sweat equity into it because you never find things in sales. Any, and no matter what the sale is, you never find what you're looking for until you take the action to do it. So it's really easy to send out a mailer and do nothing. Right. It's sending a mailer, making phone calls, door knocking. Well, then you're going to produce something for your clients. So, um, and you know, this doesn't stop buyers from doing this themselves. I mean, if, you know, mm-hmm. buyers have the, every ability to knock on doors and 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 send mailers out and 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 you know, talk talk to people on private Facebook groups about, hey, I'm I'm looking to find a home. Do you know anything that's coming on the market? All these things apply there too. It's the savvy agent's the one that's bringing these solutions to the table. Indeed. Anything else we missed? Anything else they should have talked about here? In terms of, because um, I got one, in terms of uh, ways to find that diamond in the rough. Tell me your one. I can't think of So one. shadow inventory, oh, right? Yeah, so inventory. In, in, in our marketplace, in the bright MLS, there's a couple different MLS statuses. We talked about expireds. There's also withdrawn listings, meaning they're still under an active listing contract. NTO listings, same thing. Mm-hmm. And these are people, again, that had real intent, ready to buy or sell, and they signed a contract. And those, they're, they're still, well, now, you don't know the situation, that's an easy way to email that stuff to your to your client or ask the as the buyer, ask your agent to email it to you. If you like what you see, then you can follow up on it. And oftentimes mm-hmm. you're getting a better perspective on the home. So that's mm-hmm. the one thing here I, I didn't really see that 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 should be talked about. Now, every MLS has different statuses, so maybe that's why it wasn't included here. This is a national article. So, you know, a lot of stuff here is pretty effective. I didn't agree with some of it but for the most part. I mean. There, there's no rules in real estate, right? It's just about right. d- delivering the result to your client. That's what counts. That's what counts. All right. So on that note, we're going to wrap this up. We're going to come back next and talk about a lawsuit between a discount brokerage and real estate mega website Zillow. This is Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. Buying a home or already own one? We can help. I am Kevin Hamill from Alliances Insurance Agency. If you haven't reviewed your policies in the last three years, now's the time. New home buyers, there are a number of ways that we can help you get to that settlement table. Call us to find out more at 610-816-0043, extension 3, or visit our website, alliancesinsurance.com. Don't forget the S, it's for savings. The real estate market is red hot. Have you considered taking advantage? Call the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX at 610-692-6976 or visit our website, tomtool.com, to connect and take advantage of these market conditions. When you're getting a mortgage, you shouldn't have to sacrifice great service just to get a great rate. At Mortgage America, we've been lending with this philosophy for over 35 years. We have access to great low rates without the complications and delays of big or online banks. We're a local Pennsylvania lender with loan officers that you can actually meet. As PHFA's number one lender, we specialize in all residential mortgage programs, including first-time buyer programs and low-down payment options. For your free pre-approval, call us at 610-439-8000 or apply online at mymortgageamerica.com. Have you considered a career in real estate? Do you want control over your income? Whether you have a license or not, call us today at 610-692-6976 or visit tomtool.com. Join our team, the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline. Well, 
Welcome back to Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. I'm Tom Tool. She's Stacy Mitchell. And we work with the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax Mainline, the number one Remax team since 2018 in Pennsylvania and in Delaware. So as we talk through this next topic here, I find this one so interesting because there is a war going on in real estate right now. And, and most agents have no idea. The consumers, I mean, 95% of people aren't even making a real estate decision, maybe 92% based on some of the numbers I've seen. So what's happening now is there is a big tech and standard sort of normal brokerage business that are emerging. And some of the people on the brokerage side think they're part of the tech side and, and some of the people on the tech side are getting into the brokerage world. But this is how things are going. And you're going to see more and more stuff like this. So the preface of this story is that a there's a company called Rex Real Estate and their CEO, Jack Ryan. Um, they are now in a lawsuit with Zillow, who you've probably heard of. Um, and, uh, so they, um, Rex filed his brief in a case against Zillow and NAR and points to collude, deceives consumers and banishes competition. And what this means is that, uh, you know, Rex is a, is a discount brokerage. Uh, they come out, they don't really do a whole lot for you. I've vetted my own home through their process. So I have firsthand knowledge. We're going to quote some stuff on their website here and they are filing this, um, and they're calling it the segregation rule and that it has no place in real estate uh, because they want to make all listings accessible to all consumers through digital technology and an honest approach to every customer. And Zillow and NAR now are they're, they're complaining because Zillow is not posting their listings there, even though Rex does not participate in the MLS and the MLS, the multiple listing service, they don't do it anywhere. Um, and that that's that's basically the bone to pick in 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 the whole lawsuit here. Um, and and they the, their CEO wrote an op ed why we're taking on Zillow in its own backyard, and that discount brokerages shouldn't stand by why Zillow and NAR um, segregate discount brokerages from traditional brokerages on Zillow's site, so consumers are less likely to view listings created by discount brokerages like Rex. So what do you think about all this, Stacy? Well, Zillow is following a certain set of rules. <laughs> and what rules are those? <laughs> um, they're a brokerage. Mm -hmm. So uh, they have to follow a certain set of rules. And um, so it changed. And I think what happened is Rex, um, they're pretty much their business model uh, was based on picking data from Zillow, from Google and other websites. And that's how they were matching buyers and sellers. Um, and, you know, they were acting on, saying they were acting on behalf of everyone and, uh, you know, having a mission. I think it's two and a half cent. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm understanding. They're, yeah, they're listing fee and they call it a fee on their website. Mm -hmm. And they say they don't charge a commission, but then it's structured just like a commission. For, and, and, the, and their fee ranges from two to two and a half percent on their website. Right, right. Instead of doing like a transaction you know, where it would be a 1% fee, they are charging a commission. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting, but you know, the fact that they thought that the lawsuit was self-serving and uh, they haven't conspired with anyone to harm Rex. 
Well, the funny thing about this is that Zillow is now a licensed brokerage and they rely on an IDX feed. So it's the Internet Data Exchange is what IDX means. And that, that, that means that all their data comes from the MLS. So Rex has chosen not to be on Zillow because this, this all just happened in the past 12 months. But Zillow was not a brokerage and mm-hmm. was not hiring agents 12 months ago. Um, so now what's happened is they, they've chosen and this is the thing no one's talking about. They've chosen to say, hey, we're not going to participate in the MLS. So we can be on Zillow's website, but we're not going to be IDX feed. Because if you, if you search a home on Zillow, there's agent listed properties and then there's other. And they are on other right now, along with for sale by owner. That's their bone to pick here. Um, and while they want to this lawsuit and, and, you know, look, they got what they wanted because we're talking about it, right? right. So they, by, filing this lawsuit they're looking for a publicity their 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 issue is ultimately that zillow has rules to follow zillow has a different set of rules than they used to because they're a licensed brokerage now mm-hmm. there's no question about it so you know it's nice that they come out and they say oh it's all self-serving mm-hmm. and you know they're, they're they're this isn't good for consumers and you know uh it, it zillow basically said rex's claims are without merit and they're required, and as MLS participants, we are required to bu- abide by the MLS rules and regulations. And we are always advocating for rules that benefit our consumers, the entire industry, and drive innovation for all. So, you know, the funny thing about this too is that there are plenty of discount brokerages that will list their properties in the MLS. There's a ton of them. So you have to wonder why Rex won't participate in the MLS. Well, let's let's go to their website. And okay. they actually answer this for at least their their PR. Uh, they they have eighteen frequently asked questions, and it's uh, on on their website. So um, they uh, will my home go into the MLS? No. With the traditional real estate model, real estate agents search for properties on what is known as the MLS, which discloses property details as well as a set percentage they will earn if they close on that home. The hidden agent database. It's not hidden, by the way. It's distributed everywhere. Um, you can look at it on Zillow, truly anywhere you want. The hidden agent database is the reason commissions have skyrocketed over time. Commissions are trending downwards over the past 30 years, not up. Uh, Rex disagrees with this model, not only because it is a huge disadvantage to sellers who do not wish to pay 6% to sell their home, but also a huge disadvantage to buyers who are at the mercy of their agent's paychecks. With Rex, commission is not a factor at all. We market our homes to all the buyers and not just a select few agents. I would argue that they're doing their sellers a disservice by not having it on all the websites. Mm-hmm. When totally. you look for a home, list about you can't find it anywhere. Right. I mean, so what, how is that? How is that helping your seller? What I know is that ninety-eight percent of all the homes that sold last year they involve both a listing agent and a buyer's agent. And there's no doubt you can sell a home on your own. We just talked about it in the last segment. We bring buyers to for sale by owners. Mm-hmm. So, you know, whatever they want to say here, I, I can tell you the integrity of our organization is we got to do what's best for the client. And we've done it over and over again as long as we've been around. So. My, my, my point here is that without having maximum exposure, you don't get the best result. It's easy to leave money on the table right now because the market is so frothy. The market is so incredible. And without having max exposure with a lead up, with someone that knows how to market a home, not just put it in their, in their system here, you're leaving money on the table as a seller because the sellers that get sell for the most are the ones that have the most people come look at their home and have the most offers come in. And they're taking out a huge percentage of that. Now, if they got a problem with the MLS and want to fight that, that's a different story. Mm-hmm. But to say we, uh, you know, we're, we're not just we're not marketing to a select few agents. We market our homes to all buyers. Well, all the I, all the eyeballs are on Zillow right now. They're not on 
wherever the heck Rex is doing it. So mm-hmm. let's let's answer their next FAQ, and I want to hear your take on this. So how do people see my home if it's not on the MLS? Simply put, home buyers are not shopping on the MLS. This antiquated network for homes is only accessible by agents who pay a monthly premium for its use and only works in certain counties. There's an MLS in every county in the U.S., um, except New York City that I know of. All home buyers and more agents than ever are shopping on Zillow, Trulia, Homes.com, where all the ML. Now, this doesn't say this here. This is where all the MLS listings get distributed and other home search sites to find the perfect home using their custom parameters. From there, we locate other buyers whose criteria match your home and market directly to them as well. What do you think about that? I still I think it's pretty vague. I still want more information. Like, where is my house going to be listed? Not, you know, provide some um, definitive websites or marketing areas. Where Where is my house going to be listed? Well, and, and what they're talking about is factually inaccurate. I mean, mm-hmm. people are, you know, I mean, how many times do you get a, do you get a call or from a client that you're working with? Hey, I sold this on Zillow or mm-hmm. I sold it on Trulia or one of these other sites. I mean, it happens right. all the time. And That's then true. a lot of data is inaccurate and we have to give them the right information, which is a whole Correct. other story. Correct. So here's the next question. Would my, my home sell faster if it was on the MLS? Our days on market are typically competitive with the MLS, but in some case, cases, we may see a slower ramp up period or even slower market presence. The good news is that by saving an average of 4% of the sale price off your home, you will see more highly qualified and motivated buyers come in for showings and less window shoppers. While a typical MLS property sees one offer every 10 buyer showings, our offer is one to every three. That means 67% fewer strangers walking through your home. What hmm. do you think about that? Well, I think the more buyers that are through your home, the more comp that there's going to be. And you'll have a greater chance of multiples and uh, you'll definitely do better as far as um, the sale price. So so let me ask you a question. So if you're, we get an offer after three showings on your home, so mm-hmm. I've sold a home for you before, or we got a show, an offer after 10 showings, mm-hmm. which, which one are you, I mean, how are you going to feel about the offer after three versus offer after, after 10? Offer, it, well... So it depends on the let's offer. Say, well, that, that's my point, right? So <laughs> yeah. the, if you're only looking at, you only have two other opinions or two other pieces of feedback, you don't have the same data that right. helps you make a better decision as a seller. Correct. I'd rather have, if I know nine people passed on my property and the offer may not be what I want it, mm-hmm. but it's there, I'm much more likely to work with that offer than, oh, there's only been three showings. This offer's a little lower. You're not getting that same exposure. So, right. you know, that that to me is, is, is an issue here. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, when you go through this, I just don't, I'm not um I'm I'm not really you know seeing how the uh how they do this. The, the last question I'll, I'll bring up is how is Rex marketing my home? Instead of using the MLS and simply waiting for an agent to arrive, we aggressively go after after buyers using big data retargeting and other digital marketing techniques that build a pool of valuable candidates. We will provide you with a seller's dashboard which will update these figures in real time so you always know what avenues are working best for your home. What do you think about that? Well, weren't they pulling from Zillow? That's like the one. Of, that's like their top one. Anyone that website. says they're using big data retargeting and other digital marketing techniques, it sounds right. like a lot of um, industry jargon. Like it's yes. people things say uh, the, the people things people say to make it sound like they know what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. I, I I need specifics. I mean, and right. the more specific you are, the more likely it is your plan's going to work. So, you know, my my view of this is that I mean, it, I'm, I I've seen these discount companies come and go for the 20 years I've been doing this and in a market like this, they become really prevalent because people, it's easy. Mm-hmm. And what 
sellers don't realize and buyers don't realize or people that use these, I shouldn't say all, I'm being too general. The people that use these companies don't realize mm-hmm. is that 98% of all the homes that sold last year involve both a listing agent and a buyer's agent, meaning less than 2% only involve the buyer agent or no agent at all. And those homes ended up selling anywhere from 9 to 17% less than what they could have gotten had they had someone aggressively marketing their, their home. So I, I just don't That's see how... Money. Well, it, it And are the costs let, less? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Are the proceeds higher? The answer is no. Let me give you a case study here. And I think this is when we can maybe, you know, kind of, and I'll get, get your take on it. So we had, a, we recently sold a home. We're closing on it tomorrow. We had a discount brokerage come in with the buyer. That's where a lot of those guys make their money because they, they get it on the, or they complain about the fee being offered out. That's where they make their money. Right. And what ended up happening was we, I think we had 15 people come through, no offers on the table and without any communication from the agent. Um, and it, it was a, it was, it was a Redfin agent without any communication from an agent, without any n- knowledge or a phone call or anything, this offer just comes into my email. I'm like, great, let's take a look. So it's above the asking price. However, we had 14 other people that passed on the home, which is enough to generate like that, that tells you that the, the price may or may not be right. And they, they cost their buyer money. The sellers would have accepted the asking price. I wouldn't have told them that, but they could have came in at the ask if they knew mm-hmm. there's no other offers in yet because realtors can't intentionally mislead people. So, I mean, to me, that that's a great example of mm-hmm. all this, you know, big data and retargeting right. know, stuff sa- sounds great. They don't have the knowledge of how to operate in a real estate transaction. Exactly. And that's where you can, you can cost yourself money. I mean, right there, it costs that buyer money and, right. and, and, and they didn't a even know. A phone call would have, you know, just reaching out to yeah. the agent. And asking, hey, do you have any other offers? And right. if I said, I, I can't disclose that to you and the seller doesn't want me to, that's one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, normally, sellers want to disclose the existence of multiple offers because right. ultimately it's up to the seller. Normally, they want to disclose that because it gets you better price and better terms. So that, that's a great example of companies like this that are are, are a bit of a challenge. So what, what do you think about this whole op-ed after, you know, I mean, when we went through and kind of picked apart their site here. What do, you, what do you think about all this uh, before we wrap up? I mean, uh, you know, do you think there's any merit here? Is this going to go anywhere? I don't think it's going to go anywhere, but I think it is definitely getting um, some advertising for Rex. Uh, I think that that's, you know, there might be some people that they're looking at this and, and they're going to investigate Rex and see uh, if they could utilize their services. Um, but I don't think it's going to go anywhere with, with Zillow. Another nonsense lawsuit uh-huh. in the real estate industry. So on, on that note, what we're going to do, we're going to take a quick break here. We got Kevin Hamill from Alliances Insurance coming on next. He's going to talk to us about clue reports, flood insurance, all sorts of things that people don't even think about when they're buying a home and it could be costing them money. So we'll be right back on Tool Time Real Estate Radio on WWDB 860 AM. When you're getting a mortgage, you shouldn't have to sacrifice great service just to get a great rate. At Mortgage America, we've been lending with this philosophy for over 35 years. We have access to great low rates without the complications and delays of big or online banks. We're a local Pennsylvania lender with loan officers that you can actually meet. As PHFA's number one lender, we specialize in all residential mortgage programs, including first-time buyer programs and low-down payment options. For your free pre-approval, call us at 610-439-8000 or apply online at mymortgageamerica.com. The real estate market is red hot. Have you considered taking advantage? Call the Tom Tool Sales Group at Remax at 610-692-6976 or visit our website, tomtool.com, to connect and take advantage of these market conditions. Buying a home or already own one? We can help. 
I am Kevin Hamill from Alliances Insurance Agency. If you haven't reviewed your policies in the last three years, now's the time. New home buyers, there are a number of ways that we can help you get to that we'll settlement. You. You your Call us to find um, out more at 610-816-0043, extension 3, blah, 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 or visit our website, alliancesinsurance.com. Don't forget to guess. Do you want control over your income? Whether you have a license or not, call us today at 610-692-6976 or visit TomTool.com. Join our team, the Tom Tool Sales Group at REMAX Mainline. Welcome back. Delaware Valley, greater Philadelphia area. This is Tool Time Real Estate Radio. I'm Tom Tool. She's Stacey Mitchell. We got Kevin Hamill from Alliances Insurance in here as well. We're going to talk to him in a second. And we are on WWDB 860 AM. Again, if you got questions for Ke- uh, Kevin, email us at info at tooltimeradio.com. We got these cool new laptop. Uh, I don't even know what to call them, but they're there. So you can remind you while we're on the show. Thanks, Val. Yes. Thank you, Valerie. <laughs> Great job. And uh, what I want to talk about real quickly is that you know, when it comes to homeowners insurance or insurance in general in the real estate transaction, people kind of like it's like an afterthought. Is that is that a fair? I mean, I see oh, Stacy saying yes. Yeah. Kevin's yes. Kevin's a yes there too. So, you know, talk talk about you know maybe some of the pitfalls you can run into when getting homeowners insurance on your primary residence because I I, I it's almost like oh I'm just going to call my whoever does my car insurance. It's kind of what a lot of people do. We don't operate that way, and we've got some value adds here. But I want to get your take on this, Kevin, because it's everyone talks about inspections and getting the property and mortgages, but insurance is like it, it, people don't even remember to to to, to get it. Sometimes I, I feel like it's it's really an afterthought. Yeah, absolutely, Tom. Uh, one of the worst things that I have seen are people saying, "Oh my God, I I had no idea about this insurance, and I'm closing tomorrow." Well, now they did. <laughs> they, they you know it's great for me. Because because, you know, I could shop it with all the various carriers that we have in our network. But at the end of the day, it's almost they, they themselves are going to have to just settle with whatever quote they get from whatever agency. Um, and one of the biggest pitfalls is if that if the property that they're currently in has some claims, if they've filed some insurance claims, and then the property that they're purchasing also has some claims on it. Then that property can be uninsurable or they just can't afford the insurance. And now the whole deal is blown up and they don't realize this until a week or two days before they have to go and settle. Uh, One of the ways that we have tried to avoid this for buyers, especially for, for Tom and his buyers, we offer a complimentary clue report. The clue report's basically like a, a Carfax, um, but it's more for homes. It discloses all of the claims that were placed on the property five years. Uh, five years is that magic number. After five years, then the insurance company can no longer prorate for the, the claim and it doesn't show up. Um, one of the things with the clue report, though, is you, you have to have a financial interest in the property. So it's not something that you could just pull off of any property that's out there, you have to have a financial interest because there are privacy issues. Um, I suggest that and everyone on your team does a great job of 
getting the information over to us as soon as they close and within that 10-day inspection period. Because believe it or not, there are people out there that lie, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it's funny you mention that because this this is come on, Stacey, I don't know if you've ran into this, but you, when you, you know, you, you pull this clue report, so it basically tells you if there's been any claims over the past five years. There's a, there's a question on the seller's disclosure in Pennsylvania that says, are you aware of any insurance claims? And I've seen people answer no. And then the clue report comes up and they need okay. a new roof, right? Or they've got to get something repaired, especially with that hailstorm that happened a couple of years ago. That was a major issue. Um, in parts of Chester County. So, you know, it, it, it is a protection for the buyer. And if you're doing that up front, instead of waiting till the last minute, you know, I mean, and, and Stacey, I'd love you to chime in on this too. Like it still gives your people a chance to make a decision instead of, hey, I'm stuck with this property now and there's nothing I can do. And I might lose my deposit money if I blow out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's always a good idea because then you can uh, refer to the seller's disclosure disclosure and compare the clue report to that and just make sure everything is aligned uh, and there's nothing missing, um, you know, nothing that's been passed over. So I think it's a great idea. But yes, a lot of times the buyers do wait till the very last minute to even consider insurance. Yep. And it's only because their mortgage company is telling them, oh, can I get a copy of the of your new policy? What are you talking about? So yeah, it happens a lot. Yeah, and um, it could be used as a bargaining chip as well. Like, hey, mm -hmm. there was a claim on this property. I didn't have any idea. Um, also when people get claims and they get the money, the proceeds from the claim, they don't use the proceeds from the insurance company yeah. to mm -hmm. fix the problem. Right. right. And what's the biggest, what's the, the biggest thing, uh, worry or concern would be a water claim because mm -hmm. water is one of the nastiest things out there. Uh, molds. Mm -hmm. Now, you're, you know, you're just dealing with it. If you don't, if you can't have somebody come out there and do a mold test, mm -hmm. uh, or, ask the uh, inspector to, you know, try and, and, and find out if there is any um, suspicious of mold in, in the home. Yeah. So if you knew about a broken pipe, you know, that kind of thing that happened, somebody's mm -hmm. kitchen flooded. Well, it doesn't say exactly like what, what's on the kitchen. So again, still privacy. It'll say whether or not it was on or off the property. Mm -hmm. um, it gives you the date of when it happened, how big the claim was and what the claim was for. Yeah, and then, then from there, there's, there, there's there's the disclosure requirements. So please right. explain this. Mm -hmm. So that then that's where the, the real estate side comes in. And you know, to me, the reason that the pitfall happens where people wait to the last minute is that agents just don't get the proper training. They don't understand what the insurance contingency means in the agreement of sale. And that's one of the things we do at our team as part of our training. So if you're thinking about getting into real estate and you don't have a license or you don't know what to do, check out realestatescholarshipprogram.com. We're providing training. We're providing the ability to get your license no cost on your end. So realestatescholarshipprogram.com. But back back to water. So you're so the claim comes up. They have to disclose it. Water, I know, is a big issue. And I, I think flood insurance is another thing people don't talk about enough here. Some, some, a lot of homes are in, the, are in flood zones, more than I would have expected before I got into real estate. So I know you've got some ability to do some things differently with private flood insurance versus... Why don't you explain that? Because this is another thing people don't know about, and they think they get stuck with these high policy premiums. Yeah, so uh, FEMA no longer has the uh, monopoly on flood insurance. Before, if you needed flood insurance, you go to you go to FEMA. Didn't matter what agency you went to, you were getting the same premium no matter what because they were the only ones issuing the policies. Obama actually um, changed all of that when he was in office, and 
now we have private flood insurance policies where we could, uh, depending on what flood zone it's in, um, save up to 38% off of a FEMA flood policy, which is substantial when you're talking about, you know, four or $5,000 premiums, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it also waives the uh, the need for an elevation certificate, which can also be a pain because you have to hire somebody to go out there and, and do all the elevation uh, elevation um, measurements. And actually, right now is the 2021 Atlantic hurricane season is has officially arrived. And um, <laughs> one of the stats that I saw, I can't find it right now, but it was five of the seven major hurricanes have happened in our area since 2014. So five of the, the seven most catastrophic hurricanes have happened in the last seven years. The weather's just getting worse, it's, as you can see. Well, I mean, it's something, I mean, you look at Hurricane Sandy, I mean, that decimated the East Coast. And mm-hmm. and so, you know, flood insurance, again, you know, 38% savings is a big deal. And is there any difference in the coverage there uh, from a FEMA policy versus a private policy? Is well, it- it's funny you say that, Tom, with the private policy, FEMA's dwelling, which is the for the structure for your building, for your house, the max is 250000 It doesn't matter if you live in a million-dollar house, FEMA policy, $250,000 with uh the private flood, you can actually purchase additional insurance on top of the two hundred and fifty thousand. Um, you can add swimming pool clean out. Uh, it, it it is a much more substantial policy as well. Comprehensive, it covers a lot more things. Um, I, I just don't understand why nobody would go go forward with it. When it was first introduced, mortgage companies weren't really accepting it as part of the, the requirements. But now that has all been resolved and every bank out there now accepts the, the private flood insurance. I mean, it seems like a no-brainer. I mean, everything we're talking about here, it, to me, it's just common sense. Yep. And mm-hmm. But people don't know about it. Well, that, that's mm-hmm. the point is that, that no one talks about it. No one knows about it. And it's an afterthought, which is why we're excited to have you on here. So uh, you have private flood insurance is one way you can save a lot of money. Clue reports. I mean, that to me is, is again, something you want to do up front. So you know what you're getting into with the property. because. Yep. Especially you're buying a bigger home. I mean, there, there, you know, there could be repairs required. There could be other things that are going to cost you money. What other things should people be aware of? And we've got, you know, just about seven minutes, six, seven minutes here. What do you think people should be aware of when they're shopping for homeowners insurance? Well, one of the biggest um, pitfalls that I get, or one of the most common misconceptions that buyers have um, when purchasing homeowners insurance is the value of their house should be the same as the coverage amount. So you bought the house for $500,000, but now I'm giving you a proposal and the replacement cost is 750,000 and people are, Whoa, what do you mean? Which some of the big box stores, uh, stores will actually say, all right, well, I'll just put down $500,000 then they're not covered properly. Mm-hmm. Um, when they go and the house, God forbid, burns down to the ground, they're not going to have as much money as they thought or they need to rebuild the home. Um, so market value and reconstruction value are, are totally different. Because if I had a house, my house here in Exton, it's uh, $500,000 market value. If that was in Camden, New Jersey, that might be 250000 but if it was in Bel Air, <laughs> California, now I'm looking at a million. So you can't really use the market value. Probably more than a million when you're yeah. hanging out with the Fresh Prince. So. <laughs> um, 
And then uh, one of the other things. That makes so, so wait, let's just say that. So replacement cost versus market value are not going to be the same. They're not, never. Absolutely never. I mean, sometimes it'll be lower, uh, but more times than not, it, it's going to be higher because, you know, we're factoring in things like uh, the availability of labor and materials, which nowadays everybody knows that's you know, far between. It's, it's pretty mm-hmm. tough to get lumber and things like that these days. Um, also, fuel costs, special characteristics, net down the yeah, house completely pick cleaning up the debris. How easy is it to access your house? Those types of things come into play as well. Got it. Um, what you're saying is one of the big things I think, and it's it's sort of it's newer to the homeowners industry, uh, cyber liability, and I mean that's on the news almost every day with the cyber tax. So, so tell us about cyber liability for someone that's never heard of that before. How would you explain that? Cyber liability basically protects you from having a cyber attack. One of the biggest things is somebody everything that you have on, hey, I, you know, I have everything. You can't access any of your phone. would like to send me a check for $5,000 and we'll release them, right? Well, the cyber life, while it also helps you protect it up front with different things, you know, uh, sort of giving you tips and what you should do to protect your computer, they'll negotiate with the people that are holding the things for ransom. And that's just one example, but that that's very big in the business world. But now I've like three, three of my carriers have now added it to their homeowners policy, which I think is, is huge. A lot of people are working from home. Yes. And if you have a home-based business, good point. I mean, that's huge. huge. That's everything. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. So protecting against a cyber attack, it sounds like something off of a TV show, but I mean, it's, it's real life. <laughs> it's I mean, and, and you know, no one, no one, no one has these things in, you know, in paper anymore. So um, and you mentioned some other things too. So, so you want to you want to be aware of cyber liability, private flood insurance, checking out about any claims that could affect your ability to insure the property. Anything else people need to know? We got a couple minutes left here. That, that they're they're buying a home, they're applying for homeowners. What other things should they be looking at, or what what advice do you have for someone? So that's I think there's two there's two coverages that are I believe should be should be automatically included in homeowners policies. The first one is back door. Okay. So the big they, problem in Philadelphia, by the way. Huge. Mm-hmm. I mean, and this this is during Katrina, you brought, or Sandy, you brought that up earlier. Sixty percent of the claims that were actually filed that year were for the sewer. Mm-hmm. So it means the sewer backs up, has nowhere to go. So it's going to go into your basement. Mm-hmm. If you do not have this endorsement policy, you're SOL, unfortunately. <laughs> So you're in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to bring a little light. And and I mean, that backs, that goes from my daughter. We had this issue. My daughter, she went to the bathroom in the middle of the night, washed her hands. She forgot to turn it off, turn the water off to the sink. The the sink overflowed and it went all down through my drywall from from the second floor all the way down to the basement. We didn't have that coverage. Again, Mm -hmm. we, we would have to pay for that out of our pocket. And then another new coverage that has uh, sort of hit the industry is service line coverage. Uh, this is, would cover, it provides coverage for everything that services the house that's buried under the ground, specifically the sewer line coming from your house out to the street and from the street into your house. That's huge because you have that clean out valve, right? Especially in like Havertown and those, those types of areas. When those people had their houses built, there was a clean out line in the front yard. 
and it looked ugly. It was an eyesore. Mm-hmm. So they said, hey, why don't we plant a tree in front of it? Great idea. Right. Now I don't see it anymore. But, but now we're looking at 30, 40 years down the road, this tree's growing. The roots are getting bigger. They have nowhere to go except through the pipe. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, you, if you don't have this coverage, you can get it through your utility company, um, like Aqua or something like that. But it's, it's actually a little bit more expensive. Uh, I suggest going through the, the homeowner's insurance or at least comparing it. Um, but that's coverage. I mean, that's a $10,000 job right there that they have to dig up in, in your front yard. And I, you could be on the hook for it. And for, I mean, I think it's a, as little as uh, $120 for the year. Now you're protected. Well, and it, it's always worth it when that's all it costs. Yeah. So on that note, Kevin, how do people get in touch with you? Uh, email khamel at alliancesinsurance.com, or you can give us a call at our office at 610-816-0043. All right, we're going to wrap it there this week, Philadelphia. If you got a question, a topic, or you want to reach out to us directly, email us at info at tooltimeradio.com. Find us on Facebook at Tom Tool Sales Group. Or you can follow myself or Stacy on Instagram. I am at TomTool3RD. There's an E at the end of Tool. And she is at the number two, Mitch, M-I-T-C-H-C-O. We'll be back next week. Thanks for tuning in.